Welcome to episode 113 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. Every week, myself and a co-host feature a comic subject, series, issue or creator, and we pick it apart and have a good chat about it. This week, it's the return of our regular Edinburgh reporter, comics creator and award-winning Alan Henderson. How you doing, dude? I'm very well, thank you very much. We should probably clarify that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just I, said to you, I'm going to introduce you as award-winning, and you went, why? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is it. It's not, not my first award, uh, you know, but, but it's, been, it's been a few years. But, you know, I, I, well, I'm... I, I, and one thirtieth of this this award. Is it was it thirty of this on that? Was it? Bloody I hell. don't know. It must be. Yeah, it, got it, must be, it was that sort of you know. Yeah. Sort of yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, no. I'd, I'm proud to have been part of the the DUI book that uh, won uh, one of the eleven o'clock DAP. Oscars. Yeah, DAP boat um, for us. Yeah, thank you, DAP. Yeah, yeah. Love, love DAP. I met him a few times. He's, I love him. I had a drink with him. He's a good guy. Yeah, and that's yeah, I, no. as I've said before. That's like a good comics podcast. They read a lot of comics. You know. Um, yes. They know their stuff. Yeah, and we were we were slightly humbled by it, weren't we? One morning on the Slack, we're like, I think Alan Purdy went, "You never guess what's just happened." <laughs> <laughs> he must have started listening to it as he as he got up because I hadn't even got to that bit yet. So yeah, no, it's very nice. Yeah, he, he made me like me listens to these things or listens to most podcasts. At you like yeah, double speed, speed don't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to well, try and speak as quickly as I can who's... so it sounds like a quadruple speed to you now from now on. I think yeah, yeah. It depends who's talking, and uh, but yeah, normally if it's certainly if it's some of you guys down south who speak nice and slowly compared to us fast talking Scotsmen. Um, <laughs> want to buy a motor? Uh, the uh, <laughs> the yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and I don't know if you got to the end of it yet, but because it is a long old one. But the mm. um, right at the end, they give out a Amazon gift voucher to the person who gets picked out, and they had so many hundreds of people voting in their their thing. Mm. And it's uh, it's only Johnny Pickering. Johnny C, yeah. 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 I had to ring him. I said, Do you know you've won that? He said, What are you talking about? You know, he doesn't believe anything I ever say to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It just shows it's a small world after Ain't all. Ain't it just, man? Ain't it just? It really is. <laughs> yeah. How you been otherwise? You been all right? I've been great. Yeah. This Because this is the, the first uh, Never Iron this year, is it? Or my. Yes, it is. No. Yeah. Well, is all right. The, as, I won't say why, but you know why. And I was expecting something mm. to, t- to happen to make my work really busy. And it, it, it so far hasn't. Um, so I took the first three weeks off, um, thinking I'll have my nose down at work, you know, and then, um, the, then, then it didn't happen. And then of course we're about to announce what we're doing in March, in February and like, it's like loaded up with things like all the work's coming in again. Yeah. yeah, And almost like a new subject. Um, Mm. yeah, yeah. But uh, looking forward to it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been busy. I've been busy and, um, see, suntering along and realized that I'm, what still we're a month and a half away now from the the ninth anniversary of uh, of starting Penguin. Oh wow! So, okay, um, yeah, and that not actually uh, that far away from double figures, man. Yeah, mm. <laughs> you have to remember that Waterston only did Calvin and Hobbes for ten years. That's, that's oh, all I'm right. saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> break hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Which you win that another award, you just drop the mic and walk away. Exactly. You know, at that point, yeah. it's like, that's, that'll do. That'll do. Yeah. yeah. I'm <laughs> sure you've got plenty so of other things. Uh, Chumming away at that and, um, you know, doing some paintings associated to the, the underlying pencils of, uh, of the great and the good. Good stuff. So, uh, <laughs> or the desperate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, me, obviously, is what we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a great, that's a great, been really fun, hasn't it? We just got Gareth Hopkins one come through on that. But the, mm. um, I basically doodled someone during a podcast once and, uh, and uh, I put it as, you know, there's this sort of what you've drawn today thing, of which I'm by far at the bottom of the totem pole on that. And um, and I think it was Matt Bunt said, oh, why don't we ink Tony's drawing? And I was like, well, well OK, if you know, if you want to slum it, you're more than welcome. You know, very, very, you know, it's very kind of you. And um, and then everyone went at it. You did like a full colour drawing of it. Um, yeah. Uh, Ian Ashcroft did a, did a time-lapse video of himself <laughs> colouring it. Uh, we got yeah. an abs- almost abstract version from... Uh, from uh, um, who was it? Simon. Matt Bunce did three. Um, oh, he's done more than three. But anyway, I think right. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, yeah. Uh, Gareth Hopkins anyway, did one today. It, it's been brilliant. Yeah, brilliant fun. It's it's been a really good exercise and a really good twist to see different people's takes on on a, yeah. a you know an underlying skeleton to work from. Um, in that in that case, let's we'll see what we do um, next. I think it should be interesting. I'll have a go next time as well. I'll keep promising. To, I'll, I'll do it. 
Just uh, I just haven't had time at work. But yeah, I will do one. I think. Yeah. Well, see, well, you've done this one because it was just you. you kind of. You, yeah, you, you put the bones down for everybody else. So. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. Mm. So we are um, kicking off 2022 with a bang with um, um, a th- um, two comics, aren't they? Did you want to tell us what they are? Hal? Well, yeah, it, it could be three, it could be four, depending on how we want it to yeah. cut it. But yeah, so what, what I've done here is I've, I've started the year with a, a, a real bit of cruelty to yourself, <laughs> I think, in that I, I, I suggested we read a single issue that um, is a comic that's based on a TV show, which yep. I know is not necessarily, you know, you, you want comics to be comics. <laughs> um, it features a, a homage cover, which I know is not always your thing. You like originalities and things. Um, it heavily features the references to insert creator's name here, Road, and the there's the yes. park over there named after such and such a creator, yep. which I know is something that isn't really your thing. Um, <laughs> and it, and it, it's a kid's comic, essentially. Um, and it's sentimental claptrap in, in, in this battalion. So it really, you know, I, I was thinking this really isn't your thing at all. Um, however, the issue that I chose yeah. entirely flips things on its head in some ways, in that it's, it's based on an in-joke, but is the team... Of the, the, the of, of creators coming together, and clearly with the backing of DC Comics, to say yeah. this is in remembrance of. So the book I'm talking about here is Batman Gotham Adventures number thirteen, uh, cover date of I think it's April or June, um, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, that sounds about right, man. Yeah, yeah, because it started um, in it started in uh, ninety eight, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's June June ninety nine is the is the cover date this time. Um, written by, by Kelly Puckett, art duties by um, Rich Burchette with inking um, by Terry Beatty. Um, so, where, is it, where does isn't this... it um, Mike Parabek on it? Um, I thought it was Terry. You might Beatty. be right. I thought it, I may have written that wrong. Beatty on the cover. Yeah, 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 no, no, it's it's uh, Mike Parabek okay. does does uh, the other the other issue that you right, okay, right. So yeah, we've got two to talk about. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Sorry, yeah. So this, as I say, so Gotham Adventures. Gotham Adventures was the third series that was spawned from the or fourth series actually that was spawned from Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, which started life in nineteen ninety two. Now, Batman the Animated Series is something that came out at just the right time for me, okay. in that I was still a student at that point, um, which meant I wanted something silly cartoons, but cartoons that meant something seemed to to be really important. You know, you wanted that balance. It was you know it was a cartoon series that treated kids like adults and treated adults like kids. And it was um, it yeah, uh, something that continues, <laughs> but on a more slightly annoying tip these days. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at that point, it captured the essence of what Batman was as an uh, you know as a cartoon series, and and to this day has underlying impacts with regards to the design, creation, and the you know the number of characters that actually exist within the the full bat universe in terms of how it's actually in the, in the piece. So, yeah. but we'll come back, back to that, you know, if we flip back to the comic. So the Gotham Adventures, is so initially you had Batman Adventures, then it was the Batman and Robin Adventures, and then there was a, a very small title in between that, and then there was Batman Gotham Adventures. Yeah. If we go all the way back to issue 10 of the Batman Gotham Adventures, three villains were introduced as sort of throwaway pieces that were... Um, connected with the Riddler, and that was the Professor, Mastermind, and Mister Nice. Yeah, and they appeared in say three issues of 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 um, the Batman Adventures, which was number ten, number twenty, and number thirty. Okay. Now, for some bizarre reason, number thirty is not on Comicsology, but the other oh, two. Oh, really? Are. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. It ran for something like 30, so Batman Adventures ran for something like 34, 36 issues, but only the first twenty-eight seemed to be on Comicsology. That's very strange, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really is bizarre. I think it's because 
all the ones that are on comicsology tie into the trades that were collected. Oh. So it, it yeah, anyway, it doesn't really matter. No, yeah, okay, yeah. These three characters, these three villains, who also feature in the Gotham Adventures number thirteen, are an an original. You know, I think they first were done as a we're going to take make some fun out of the bosses, because the three villains directly link to the three major um, editors at DC at that time. Yeah. So the professor is Denny O'Neill, the mastermind is Mike Carlin, and Mr. Nice is Archie Goodwin. Yeah. Now, they are basically bumbling, standard run-of-the-mill Batman villains, if you like, who, you know, try to set traps or try to you know rob banks or try to do whatever and just just don't quite get there but the you know between them they've got these the certain set of skills that allow them to say we can work out things and you know the mastermind can can organize I mean, they're, actually, they're actually pretty good villains when they, i mean one of them stands up to batman for a good four pages of fighting doesn't he at one point yes you know? yeah. and, and that's mr nice knows how to fight but is always very apologetic about it <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. It just goes yeah um and i think what they're trying to do here is play back again to the fact that it's, well look Daniel O'Neill as the professor knew everything about you know the Bat Universe and how it all how to you know would always have a solution to every problem that Batman had got himself into and that was you know that was there. Yeah. Mike Carlin was the mastermind because he you know at the time was the the editor of of Superman and you know was coordinating yeah four Superman titles and things like the Death of Superman activities and all this you know was putting it all together and Archie Goodwin. Was generally known as the nicest man in comics. Yeah, I mean, there's a quote Yet, from Jim Shooter that says Archie had a manner where you could not, you could not, where you couldn't not like him. Basically, pardon me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And he, but he still had a, you know, the he had the steel to to edit everybody. So therefore, you need, you know, that which is a control rod that that, that you must have. But he clearly did so by then saying, "Oh, by the way, I'm going to be nice." Yeah, I mean, he so, was the he was the editor in chief at Marvel. You know, yes. he's the editor in chief of Epic for many years. You know, yeah. yeah, and you can't do that obviously without having. having a pair you know, of that's balls. why yeah. He, he, yeah, yeah. He, he can stand up to Batman. <laughs> you know, yeah. but then it's nice about it afterwards. Um, so as I say, these characters were created in in the Batman Adventures, and then they had this running gag going through, but they would be rolled out about once a year, just to take the Mickey out of the out of the you know the, the big bosses in the, in in the company, if you will. Um, I also think if. I think it was the Batman Adventures number twenty starts with them in prison, um, sitting around the table, and they're all got their prisoner numbers on. Yeah. I'm fairly convinced that those were the extension numbers for the Oh wow, okay. That is interesting. The office. Yeah, yeah. Because of the way that the numbers are very similar, but it's like the last couple of digits are different. And you can think that I bet that would be the joke that was, was Yeah, was yeah, yeah. There well interesting you mentioned twenty because we are going to be mentioning Mike Parabic um as mm. part of this as well, because he's sort of a worthy mention. Um Yeah. The, I don't, now I just told you before we started, and I think you kind of guessed, this isn't, this is an utter blind spot for me, these books. I never bought any of them. Um, I was aware of them. I think I might have had like a UK reprint or something at one point of maybe one of them. I did buy Parabek's work when he worked on um, the JSA, and I I bought um, Puckett's work when he worked on, was it Static? Um, With, with that English creator. I'm looking it up quickly while we're talking um, <laughs> where we were kinetic with Warren Police. Pardon me. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, but it was an utter blind spot for me. And I think what had happened is because I'm a slightly slightly older than you. The I was in my early twenties and was working in quite a blokey job, and I was literally boozing and womanizing and buying the main Batman titles. But this was I'd never seen the cartoon because I was never at home, you know. Mm. And I think that's what didn't give me. It not being in my mind canon, although it does turn out to be partly canon in the very least, doesn't it? Later on, um, yeah, bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We well, found it famously got the, the first Harley Quinn, didn't we? In in one of these series, yeah. Is that right? Um, mm-hmm. The that I didn't buy it. You know, I just didn't. I just had so much had so much money to spend on comics, and I, I you know, it just didn't fall into my thing. Does that does that make sense? The canon thing, I think. entirely. And yeah. and it was, I said, it was a tie into the to the. It was a tie into the to the cartoon, but it, it certainly became more than that. And I, as I say, I think we worked out this what about one hundred and 
something on the issues if you add up all the different series. You know, so there's yeah. a fair body of work in here. Yeah, in there's a lot of there, man. Yeah. But what, what I always loved about it, and certainly about going back to reread some of them, is they were, you know, because it was designed as a kid's book in some ways, that also meant that they knew that, look, there's only to be one and done. Yeah. So, Good. you know, while there's lots of, you know, minor running stories through it, most of it was like, get in, get out. And that's, you know, and we, we are, I see that we said this before, you know, that's the sort of thing that we're properly missing in the, in the comics world as well. Yeah. The, you know, these are, these are books that, that there's enough in them for me to, for likes of me to read them, and enjoy them still. And so, because yeah. because I love the art style and the design features of of it as well, which was that whole mix of saying, you know, it's it's quite noir ish, but it still has so much light and brightness about it. It has that weird mix of is it nineteen thirties or is it? There's that bit day? of Dick Tracy somewhere about, it, isn't there? You know, to me, yeah, yeah, you know, and I I, said, I can't read Batman Adventure style books without having the soundtrack from the animated series go through my head because it's you know such a strong defining uh, soundtrack that it really that was a roller coaster that that series the cartoon series wasn't it it was hmm. it's still talked about constantly now i don't think a week goes past where i don't see something on like instagram about it um so like you said it 1992 it actually only ran two seasons but was 85 episodes which is quite substantial for a cartoon yeah toys are still i think there was an, produced, then an additional 24 there was an additional 24 episodes that were Badged as something else. So one of these things, the design started to change ever so slightly, and it fed into the you know the, the makeup of um, Batman Beyond or Future Batman. I think it was, was yeah badged over here for a bit, but Batman Beyond, you know, it it fed into it as well. It fed into the Superman cartoon series. Yeah. It fed into the Justice League cartoon series. So yeah. it's you know it's kind of where where do you you, you hold it together? And it fed into the and Brave like, and Bold cartoon as well. Uh, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. It created yeah. that style for look. This is the slightly younger end of of, and it create it gave DC the power to turn around and say, look, we're going to produce some very good animated movies because yeah. for a while they were producing very good animated movies. Yeah, I think um, you're right. They their their animated movies are much better than Marvel's, for example. I think. Yeah, it, overall, they were. Uh, yeah. Some of the more recent ones, have, to me, have started to fall away. But yeah, you know, it, it's. But yeah, it, 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 as I say, to me, it changed the way that a lot of these things were, were done. You know, I think even the way if you look at some of the Lego designs and Lego Batman now, it, it very much harks back to yeah. things that were put in place for for the, from the Batman animated series. Um, there was a little and, bit of the Batman TV series in it for me as well. I sensed there was a little bit of that. It, very, very was, iconic villainy type thing going on, you know? It was willing to say, look, you know, this is this whole thing about treat adults like like kids, to say, look, we'll be serious enough about some of these things happening in the background, about how it, you know, he's big back, big dark night that he is, and he's going to be serious, but we'll do silly jokes that come with it. The whole um, Killer Croc scene about I almost got him. The, right. You know, there's 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 a scene there where where it is just like I almost got him, and it's and eventually all the all the villains are going through the the different schemes that they tried to get him, and then they get to Coral and say, so how did you almost get him? And he was I hit him with a rock, you know, and it's it's <laughs> yeah. it's those sorts of silly jokes where you can as an adult you just go actually that's that's you know the build up and delivery of that is really really clever, yeah, um, and it features arguably the best shadow batman 66 batman crossover that there is which is there's a there's an episode in there called beware the gray ghost okay so the beware the gray ghost is actually referencing a um shadow pulp there was a it's actually called that oh wow it's called okay. the gray ghost and and some of the designs of the gray ghost character make it look very much like the shadow big hat big cape and all that sort of stuff right must have got um, yeah and in that particular episode, where it starts off with Bruce Wayne watching the Grey Ghost television show, because it's a, uh, you know, and okay. I'm saying that, well, this was something that inspired him. So it's almost like a reference back to saying, oh, yeah, I want, you know, Bruce Timm and, and Paul Dini, who, who put together the um, the animated series, clearly went, oh, yeah, we watched Batman 66, and that's what inspired us. Yeah. So the person that they got to voice the Grey Ghost, as in, or the actor who was now the aging actor, um, who played the Grey Ghost was, of course, Adam West. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, great. So suddenly you've gone, yeah. that, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's a fanboy moment if you like, saying, oh, yeah, make all the cross references you like. But you kind of go, <laughs> yeah. but then they didn't overplay it because they kind of just went, one, done, and yeah. 
but but it's nicely the way that they, they, they treated that. Well, we, we both laughed, I think, a few years ago about how fanboyish we were because we both have the the uh, em- emptied Batman bubble baths <laughs> because it was the, the kind of almost like the best statue of the animated series Batman, wasn't it, for a yeah. while? You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly at a price point that we could <laughs> exactly, afford. exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it looks pretty good still. Um, yeah, good. Yeah. Now, there's a few a few things we I thought we could talk about here, man. Um, mm-hmm. Is this too much of an in joke? So, as in the, the initially, the use of the three of them basically is what I'm saying. Right. So yeah. I don't think the use. I don't think it is because okay. certainly if you read the the first two, the I say. The, the adventures, no, the, the Batman Adventures number ten, number twenty. It is just a case of here are three extra villains. Yeah. And if you didn't know that that's that they were taking the the Mick, then you wouldn't know, right? And I think it, they they kind of stand up as okay. a yes, it, it's fine for that. Gotham Adventures number thirteen. Yeah. It it is nothing but an inside story. It's quite a choker, an, man, isn't it? Really. It is. So yeah. for so in terms of what the actual story of what is in Gotham Adventures number thirteen. Yeah. So essentially it's the three uh villains that we've referenced there. And they're they're trying to, you know, just organize whatever the next next heist is. And we realize that there's this um vial of plague that, that's going around that um if it if it explodes then it's going to poison so many people in, in, in yeah. Gotham. And Batman's trying to trying to stop that. Um, and what it then turns out is that that's a story of what had happened is being read to the granddaughter of the professor. So the professor's reading reading a story to, to his granddaughter. And he basically goes on to talk about the, the fact that as part of this story, what had happened was that Mr. Nice had been approached by an orphan to go and basically sort out the problems of an orphanage or a um, a children's was it? Okay, yeah, this is an orphanage. I represent uh, the leper children of Bang. Leper children. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and he, you know, he's being asked to to go away and and look after them. And the whole you know, the the rest of the story is basically the mastermind saying, "Well, let's do one last heist." And it's this continuous thing where the mastermind's trying everything he can for that heist not to end. Yeah. And Batman keeps, you know, saying, why, why do I keep getting the clues that I'm allowed to see? You know, so it can stop Mr. Nice and then we chase him around again. We go, you know, and it, you think, well, you know, what, why is this? Why is this that it has, to, it has to keep going? And ultimately, Mr. Nice decides that he has to go and that that's it. And basically he has the, makes all the goodbyes and the mastermind starts to break down in, in, in tears that he's, that he's going. Yeah, which is very and, unlike him, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. At which point, you know, it's so and, and Batman's caught the three of them, but he lets Mr. Nice go and he he goes off with, with the child. At which point they basically say, Well, that's the end of the story that has been told by the professor to his his granddaughter. Yeah. And you realise that this is when Art just after Archie Goodwin had died. Yeah. And this is all about essentially Mike Carlin and uh, not wanting Archie Goodwin to leave. Yeah. And it, it, it's you know, that, but when you suddenly know the backstory that comes with it as well, you're right. It's gut wrenching yeah. in terms of you know of being how heavy it is, but still, as a kids comic, it, you know, it, again, I think it stands alone as somebody reading it who didn't know or couldn't have guessed or wouldn't have known who these three other characters were. But you're it, you know, there's this this weird bit. That, you know, he disappears and yes, you've got the, he goes towards the light almost, doesn't he? You know, there's yes, a bit of that going on. Yeah, it is entirely. But it's it's uh, but it's, it's on page nineteen, the the second panel on page nineteen, yeah. where it's Mike Carlin, basically with tears in his eyes, yeah, and you're like going, this is, oh wow, what's going on, you know, um, so no, it's just, and that so that this is where it's as I say in terms of is it too much of an inside joke? Well, it's not it's not a joke at that point. It's you know it's to say it's this yeah. it's the long goodbye to to. An esteemed colleague, um, and it, it perhaps is a little far. Yeah, I think if I was a kid reading it, I'd go, "What? what what's happening here?" You know. Mm. Um, also, it's very, and part of me would say that because it uses Batman extremely sparingly 
in this comic, doesn't yeah. he? He's not yeah. in it very much. And for about, you know, mm. you're getting your kid a Batman Adventures comic, stick it into the back of the car as you're on a long journey. And it's about, I, I, even as, as a sort of younger kid, I'd be going, I don't, there's something else I'm missing here. You know, it's almost, a, yeah. there's a bit of yeah. that going on, I think, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with you, man, there. The other thing I'd like to point out is, before we go on to just, we'll profile a couple of the creators in a second, is page six, um, middle middle panel. You've got mm-hmm. the kid who keeps this kid can't speak, so he keeps a he keeps pulling notes up <laughs> and showing them. And on panel six, you've got one of the characters looking at the bum of the kid and going, "How many cards have you got back there? Is that accidental <laughs> accidental sex offender somehow?" <laughs> I mean, just weird, isn't it? Just made me all, all I'll say is you've um, you're more into um, spotting offenders. these things than I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke to um, one today, you're, you're, funny enough. You're, you're, there yeah, you go. Um, but page seven? Yeah. What a page. Yeah, it's a lovely page, man. It really is. <laughs> it really is. But again, it? in that... and the, See, this is the other thing about the Batman animated series or the, the, the comics that are associated with it were so different from the rest. Of, you, know, you know, you recently discussed 90s comics on, on, on ACP. Yeah. Where, if you go back to look at Jim Lee of the time, or or Liefeld, or or the the various image groups that that, that existed, there was this whole thing about put as many lines down on a page, or <laughs> yeah. to, to draw one character as possible. Yeah. If you look at the way that the characters are drawn in here, and Mike Parabek has, has said this elsewhere, where it's like you know, I can draw Catwoman's arm by touching the page a hundred times. But I like to draw it by just touching it twice, going, there's the top of the arm, there's the yeah. bottom of the arm. You know, and two lines is enough. And this is the sort of page in page seven is where it's basically a gangster running into a bar and having a, a mini sort of fight scene with, the, or being chased by by Batman. Yeah. Where all you really see is the Bat Shadow. A wordless page, yeah. says everything you need. Yeah. yeah. But the, the look at the cleanliness of the lines in that. There's there's no, there's a little bit of cross-hatching and stuff to, to give some of the shadow effect. But, you know, most of it's just really, really simply... Yeah, I see simply drawn. There's a, clearly a lot of line work underneath that. That's but it's been I mean, inked. It's been like no, keep it clean, keep it nice and clear, you know. And it just makes it really simple to sit around and say, you know, don't don't mess with the the sort of image and and, and shake up. And it used that sales there. technique that sadly people don't seem to recognise these days. That you're trying to sell a comic to people who are fans of a cartoon, make it look like the cartoon, you yes. know. Which is it, yeah. this could be. Just an episode of the cartoon that they've turned into a comic easily, couldn't it? You know, um, it's quite about it. Adding enough of it, enough difference from it, not to just be oh, not to be cells. Oh, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Not tree cell. There is, there is a you know, this has still the the, the flatness of a comic to it, which is what it should be in terms yeah. of the things. Yeah, um, let's mention Mike Parabet because I think we, I think he deserves it. Even though he didn't do this, he did do the previous ones. Um, he lived between um, July '65 and July '96. Um, sadly, died at a really young age um, through complications with his di- his recently diagnosed diabetes. Grew up in Lancaster in Ohio, studied at the Central Academy of Commercial Art in Cincinnati, um, and worked for quite a few years as an advertising advertising agencies doing advertising work, which. I kind of makes sense almost to me, you know that um, yeah. that illustrative style. Um, first job was on a Doctor Light story, and I know in a series you loved Secret Origins um, for <laughs> editor Mark Wade. Mark Wade saw him and, and thought he's great, and grabbed him. And Wade's a clever, clever dude. Um, he then worked on the El Diablo series with Gerard Jones. Don't mention him. Yep. Um, he, um, I first experienced him in the reboot of The Fly, Impact, which Comics. is stunning. Yeah, it's, yeah, really is, yeah, and and even all of that that I've mentioned has that um, animation style to him. There's there's a bit there's a bit of Ditko maybe. There's a bit of Toth maybe. There's a bit of um, that sort of simpler cartoony style drawing, isn't there? But there is that animation yeah. in, in influence over the top of it somewhere, you know. Exactly, and well, I think Toth's actually right in terms of a huge influence. It must have been on yeah, him. yeah. Yeah, he's. I mean, that um, impact line. I remember buying them all at the time. The comet and all the web. The was it? Yeah. Coo- was he called Cougar? Am I imagining that? Am no, I... the ja- it was the Jaguar. Jaguar. I'm just thinking Cougar because I watched then... a lot of porn. But yeah, um, <laughs> the the web. I think. Was yeah, the, the web was like then... the secret organization, yeah. wasn't it? Sort of thing. And then yeah. the black black hood. Yeah, like. which was a great character. Uh... Speaking of Toth, Toth drew the black hood, didn't he? Years before. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know who actually owns the because they were the Red Circle line. Yeah, they, they came out from DC well years mm. later, didn't they? Like twenty years later. Yeah. And then they sort of but, disappeared again. And they were the, the, before that. They were the Mighty Crusaders. We saw that for a while, didn't we? Out of yeah, that um, was Archie a crossover Comics, series, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. As well. yeah. And, 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 and no, but the Impact line was yeah, it was right up there before it. it it's just a slightly right younger audience. I'm going to say. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. but it carried itself self well. Yeah. yeah. And then he did the. Um, the JSA series, nineteen ninety two series, which was quite short lived but but very well thought of. Um and then he did an elongated man series, which I haven't read. Um and I have to say his JSA series I like because it mimicked the all star comics that I'd seen Joe Staten previously draw when he drew mm. this that sort of brief JSA run we had, didn't we? Yeah. Um with I think Power Girl was in it and Flash mm. without the old helmet and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and he sort of harked back to that. He um, he often would say um, his favourite character draw was Robin. He took over from Ty Templeton on, on Batman the Animated Series comic, Batman Adventures, with issue seven. Um, yeah. You can actually find a lot of his pages. You're going to pay about 1.2K for a fly cover online, um, 4.3K at Batman Adventures cover. Um, and CBR, I read the, the obituary of him on Comic Book Resource, Resource and they were saying he was developing as one of the greatest draftsmen in comics. And I think that's a great little comment because he, he, he was developing, but he was, wasn't was even properly into his 30s when he died, which is a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, I think they it, it collapsed, didn't less, less prices for his individual pages, do they? Um, a little bit less than that, but not by much, I think. High hundreds. Right. Yeah, which is not bad. Okay. That's yeah, not bad. I think, I, yeah. I, let's just say I've got one and I got it a lot cheaper than that. A oh, lot good man. Oh, good man. Can you, can you say I, what I, your page is? Um, it's from Batman and Robin Adventures. Right. Uh, okay. Number, nine, number 19, uh, page 12. Uh, oh, nice. Available on Comic Art Fans if anyone wants to see it. Um, <laughs> you big roller. Featuring Robin and the, um, and the commissioner. Oh, nice. Oh, good. Yeah. So it's not even got Batman on it. It's probably one of the reasons why it's a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Get but no, I, I, got, I got it years and years and years ago. Yeah. Um, Do you remember those days when we could pick up cheap pages? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> PDs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, good stuff, man. So what happened was he, he got diagnosed with diabetes quite late in life, and he just didn't deal with it very well. Um, and mm. he left the DC offices and was seen to collapse in the street and all sorts of things, and, and, and unfortunately it got him in the end. But, yeah, it's a shame. Um, mm. The writer of it is a guy called Kelly Puckett, um, a comics writer who did quite a lot of work for DC Comics, who we can't find where he is now properly. We're not sure, no, he's, can we? He's, yeah. He's, he, we think we found a little bit of a social media presence, but we're not sure if it's him. And certainly that, that's not particularly active. And I, and I certainly wouldn't encourage people to go, go looking for it. Yeah, we're not um, sure if it's him. And, and also it's slightly politically polarised, and I don't want to say yeah. it's him. I think it's the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Kelly Puckett, however, he he um, was actually Denny O'Neill's assistant. Ah, oh, okay. Time, right. Straight from college. That's what, how he got into into comics, and then um, from that started doing writing a variety of books. As you say, a lot of the the, the DC. He was very very active in the early nineties in yeah. terms of DC, and did, did an array of books. Um, and actually, then also moved on to Detective for a period of time. I think it was. Yeah, great. And Sandra and, Kane, didn't he? Yeah. And then I was going to say, and then was given the Batgirl title and basically told re reinvent Batgirl, and that was where Cassandra Kane came into. The, I was reading that. Piece. Yeah, no, I thought that was good stuff. Um, so it's mostly in the world of Batman and Superman, and he, but he did also create Connor Hawk, um, right? Who was um, yeah. Green Arrow's. We think son. They sort of muddied it a little bit at one point, didn't they? But yeah, meant to be his son. And like I say, yeah. he did that work um, called Kinetic with Warren Police, which was mm. a series of books which were almost Vertigo esque in their quality. I can't remember whether they were released by Vertigo, but they were certain standalone trades. Which and it reads really well. It's a, it's a great read that one. Um, mm. Yeah, cool. Um, so so speaking of the big three in this, you know, the professor, the professor, sorry, mastermind and Mister yeah. Nice. Had you had you met any of them, dude? Um, no, I'm trying to think. I think I've met Mike Carlin briefly in in New York at one of the DC booths, but that looks yeah. to be out. No, I think I met Denny O'Neill once in a similar sort of way, but not for very long. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember uh, Denny O'Neill was one of these people I, I planned to meet at one of the New Yorks, and he had a table, but he was never there. Yeah, I met um, him when he was in the sort of. He was. He's always wear these sort of waistcoats, but and he was sort of bald then. I think he must have been yeah. much, you know, much towards. I think it's in the early two thousands. I think I met him. Yeah, 
Yeah, but super nice. Him. He like, seems to be very nice to everyone. And an absolute fucking lamppost in the street of fucking comics, isn't it? You know, with all hard-travelling heroes and everything else that he did. Incredible, really. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, he, as I say, that's that's why he, he, he fits this pre, um, professor um, yeah. name tag from that perspective. That is that he put people, he put characters into to problem situations and then solved the problem of how to get them out of those situations. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, and held together the Bat universe for the, you know, for the whole of the 90s, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, a dude who um, was a bit of a cult, uh, counterculture hippie, really. You know, he just. Yeah. But with a real work ethic, I think that's how the way and, I always saw it. And Alan Grant never has a bad word to say about him if you ever speak to about him and his oh, time that's in, nice. in Batman and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, where it was a stuff. case of yeah, this was you know Denny basically gave him the the rope that he wanted, but knew knew how to pull things together when they needed to be and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, which is the right balance that you want. Yeah, definitely. And the, but the one we were main, mainly going to talk about is probably Archie Goodwin. Um, mm. We talked a little bit about him on the Alien episode, but mostly concentrated on the artwork on that um, on that episode. So he was born the eighth of September thirty seven, and sadly died the first of March nineteen ninety eight. For me, to as young Tony, I probably best knew him as the dude that ran Epic. Um, but there's much more going on there, you know. Um, we mentioned the Jim Shooter quote about him, but the Mark Chiarello, probably the very best editor ever to work in comics, was what Chiarello said. Um, he was actually notably the Marvel editor, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, he was the eighth person in that role, editor-in-chief, between 76 and 78, so fairly short-lived. Um, born in Kansas City, moved to New York to attend the uh, establishment that later became SVA, the one we mentioned, School of Visual Arts, we mentioned quite a few times. I think back then it was called the Cartoonist and Illustrated School. His first work was as a cartoonist on Leonard Starr's newsroom pa- uh, newspaper strip, uh, Mary Perkins on Stage, which I have to admit to never having, never having read. <laughs> um, his first editorial work was on an American monthly woman's magazine called Red Book. I love that. I love that fact. You know, he's editing this sort of woman's magazine. Um, well, it's like how many of the, the UK creators have worked on Bunty. That's yeah. what always amused me. Yeah. It was the fact that was it was Sean Phillips and Paul Grist were, talk, were at one point reminiscing about their time on Bunty. God, yeah. And... I interviewed Sean Phillips. He didn't want to talk anything about um, you know all the work he was doing with Brubaker. He just wanted to talk about girls' yeah. comics. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he was drafted in, into the army for a couple of years and then started working at Warren Magazines and quickly became an editor of the magazine, in fact, extremely quickly, and worked on Creepy Eerie and Blazing Combat. And then he wrote for, he also at the time wrote for the Ellery Queen magazine under the name Rex Stout. Now, I'm a big fan of the Ellery Queen books. I don't know if you're old enough to remember them, but there was a TV, short-lived TV series, which, for my money, was the best detective whodunit series on television, uh, Ellery Queen. He's, he's quite a thing in mm. America. You know, he's, quite, he's, he's like not quite Sherlock Holmes, but he's certainly up there somewhere. Pulp novels, uh, sixty-seven to eighty. He regularly wrote for King Features. He wrote Secret Agent X Nine, um, which Al Williamson drew. Uh, DC in the seventies. He wrote that probably another one I knew him for was uh, Manhunter, which was, was Simonson. The, the Manhunter series with Simonson is again. There, there's a book we probably should add to our list. The top. That's it, true, man. Really true, and it's just had a sort of co- a deluxe collection out, out as well, isn't it? Um, mm. Yeah. Now that's that was a real. Um, cult book for me like people would talk about it and I ended up having to get it because part of it was were they backups in Detective or something like that yeah so it was it started as a backup story in Detective and then there was the first time it was properly collected again would be in the early 90s yeah I remember having a gold foil yes that's the one I've got it was the 90s so obviously yeah I got it from the Hero Initiative booth actually which um, mine signed by Simonson actually funny enough but yeah that's where I got it yeah Yeah. so I'm sure because that's when I would have picked it up and I'm sure there's additional material in that um, right beyond what was actually in just the backups um, in in Detective but those were the days when backup stories made something you know meant something yeah Um, you look at the Firestorm backups and things like that yeah no yeah yeah that was during the time that Walt Simonson was living with um, was sharing a studio with Chaikin you know so you can imagine the two of them sparring (laughs) with work and you really see that it's really impressive it's well worth picking up and you're right we should do one on it um, he also wrote some issues of GI Combat and Our Fighting Forces and Star Spangled War stories Um, I also think we're probably due a DC War Books episode because there's so much good stuff in there that we you know need never gets mentioned anymore does it you never hear about sergeant rock anymore do you um but no, he was, he was it, there well, every it, month yeah these things come in waves i think well, obviously we've talked about enemy previously but yeah the yeah 
it, yeah. there will come a point where it comes back to being the the, the on vogue um thing um yeah hopefully because they were well they were and they weren't they were kind of different from british war comics which were very much sort of four page you know attacking attacking an island or something you know they were there was a little bit of um sadness in a lot of them there's the famous rock one at, is he go does he go to auschwitz in one of the episodes in one of the issues i think yes. stuff like that. Oh. yeah yeah oh. break your heart stuff in it um mm. he batman editor for a year and he co-wrote batman with a paro shaking and toff so that's not bad uh, marvel comics he became um the first writer on the regular iron man series the solo series um he created luke cage with john romina senior um and and spider woman with marie severin so you know hopefully his family got a few quid out of that um <laughs> he was also a big part of the new universe so he can't have everything um and also she was basically given though that was so he was told to yeah. he, he didn't want to do as much of the he, he came up with some of the ideas for the new universe went yep. to shooter and said got this idea and she sort of went well write it then it's this don't, okay. don't stand up if you're not willing you know don't put your head above the parapet if you're not willing to be shot at that's kind of like it was like yeah bollocks i'm gonna to have to go write all this all this stuff now and, you know and there's because there was an interview on, on youtube with him that was watching and that way he was like when i didn't want to but jim basically forced me to because it was <laughs> it, if you want it was if you want to do that book you've got to do all the books and if or they've all got to come out and therefore if you want them to come out you have to do as many of them as possible yeah. yourself i mean a lot them, of the a lot of the editors would write stuff back then wouldn't they you know they were also yeah. they do they almost have a second paycheck it's the equivalent these days of writing something in your main team's chat you know with wouldn't <laughs> it be a good idea if you know yes, it's, and then yeah, some, one of your great, bosses great comes idea. in and goes go, get on with it son yeah um yeah. and the new universe was a really interesting one because at one point shooter just said right we're going to kill the well we're going to bring this out and the rest of the marvel universe is going to die we've had enough of them you know and everything yeah. it almost happened um, he took over Epic Illustrated and then made it into a whole imprint um, and was, in my in my opinion, Vertigo before Vertigo. Um, yes. Very much so. Uh, he returned well, to more DC. more European than that, but yes. I yeah, I think, oh, you, yeah I think you're right, man. Yeah, yeah, a little more BD, um, heavy metal influence there, I think, wasn't there? Yeah. But yeah, 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 very much so. Um, returned to DC and worked as an editor in 89. Um, he, um, Loeb drew him as Commissioner Gordon in Long Halloween and Dark Victory. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, James Robertson describes him as a guiding light on the the book Starman. So when you think he's got his fingerprints in so many of the you know the, the landmark stories through Marvel and DC, he wrote the yeah. fucking first Iron Man. He created Luke Cage. You know, he he was a guiding light on Starman. Still one of DC's best books. You know, um, <laughs> there's an alien yeah, language. It, uh, sorry, mate. Sorry. I was just saying this is you're, you're, this is the th- the thing about all three of these characters, the O'Neill, Carlin, and Goodwin. These they, they they structured these universes yeah. that, that we all deal with nowadays, and you know it's the power of a good editor. You know, I'll, I'll, we'll come back to that. But you know, I'm not entirely sure I can. I, in fact, I cannot name you the main editors today. I know. Yeah. Um, We've in fact, and, I've made know, a point of naming them on reviews now um, on uh, ACP because I think we should start knowing who they are. Mm. But they're so um, mercurial. We don't really know. They're so almost. They're almost like just part of the sausage factory now. Well, back in the day, they were, you know, big parts of the creative team, weren't they? You know. Well, I, I wonder now how many of the editors are appointed by corporate, yeah, rather than being there for for editorializing the, the, the <laughs> yeah. actual you know, making the stories good and making the 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 universe of of all characters hang together, while it's now corporate going. You know, or you know, in Marvel's case, you know, the Disney going. Well, actually, we don't want you to go down that route because the TV series is going to go down this route, or that movie is going to come out. Yeah. And yeah. So don't you know, don't rock the boat. Yeah, it's, type it's thing. treading on eggshells rather than being creative, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah. Anyway, but but good. no, I'm yeah, totally agree. Goodwin had so many many touches. I'm saying Carlin as well. Yeah. Is you know, <laughs> it's not necessarily everybody's favorite period of, of Superman, but. He introduced the triangle. Yeah, yeah. Can, we, can I just pause you there just yeah. for one second? I've just got two, mm. a couple more points to mention. There's an alien yeah. language in Marvel Star Wars comics called um, Nuadug Ikra, which is his name backwards. Um, there's also He also appears in issue 82 of Cerebus, um, and the airport in Gotham is called Goodwin Airport. There you go. Three things. Yeah. So you're right, man. Yeah, so we should probably have a little chat about... Um, about Mike Carlin, someone we haven't really talked about on here yet either. So you, you you were just saying that he was he was the 
so I said he was the DC editor during the Death of Superman, wasn't he? Is that right? Yeah. So I'm yeah. fairly sure he's also the editor that introduced, let's say, the concept of the, when, when Superman had the four titles that were running weekly. And, you know, so therefore they said, right, we're going to put a triangle on each of them so you can actually work out the order that they're supposed to be read yeah, in. Yeah, I love that period, man. Um, you know, a lot of us did, didn't and, we? You know. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, again, power and oh, good bits and bad bits. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he's again, big writer in terms of actual things into the DC universe, like, you know, some of the Gotham, uh, Batman Black and White activities. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the Green Latin core stuff he, he was involved in as well and, and the like. As well as odds and sods across across Marvel, um, in, including some of the Kazar comics for, yes. for a period of time yeah. in, in the early eighties, um, and I think he brought Masters of the Universe to okay. um, to to Marvel and was was involved in the production of that. So, yeah, it, but again, he's he, he was one of these people who clearly knew comics. He knew what comics could do, what the, you know how to to make things. Yeah. work in, in terms of that, that I think that in comparison to Archie and um, Archie and especially Denny Mike Carlin is the one with less writing credits compared to them isn't he he did do yes. he did do a fair amount of writing and like you say he did some cap and some cars are, but and it, but he was really just more of an editor wasn't he I think he did some Star Trek comics he did a thing series yeah you know the odd thing here and there which if you look at his bibliography it almost feels to me like he was filling in where they needed someone Possibly, yeah, yeah. In, in terms of some of the bits and pieces. But, you know, he, he was ingrained as being a comics person. Uh, you know, yeah. and as he, he then, you know, in terms of what he did with managing the comic scene of the Superman universe, it, it, it made it work, it made it hang together. You know, there was no, there was no title where it seemed to be, oh, your character's doing, or some of your sub-characters are doing things that don't match what's happening in, in other titles in the same universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as I say, so he, he created that great balance and control. And to me, this this was a period where you had these three create, or three editors adding so much more. Now, yeah. you, part of the argument should be, you know, an editor's at their best when they're kind of invisible. But that's, you shouldn't see the, the pen that they've held They've, you know, they should be making sure that they encourage the writers to, you know, deliver the right, you know, the best yeah. piece of work that they can. But you know that you you knew it was a sign of quality if you like that if this editor was there that they put something into yeah. it themselves to to this, make it you know to I, I, that creative process. I can't help but agree with you about the whole you know an editor should be just there to assist in the creative process. But in reflection, there are so many great comics that have come out of editor writer artist teams you've only got to look, look at claremont and louis simonson for example oh yeah, yeah but that that's that's the editor encouraging or, or helping the the writer um and, the, and, and making sure they pick the, the right artists for to, to go together and all that stuff yeah to get the best out of them so yeah. you know and it is that whole keep it tight you know, keep it on time the idea, you know or can i do this should i do that what's the you know you're going to tell me which bits to you know you know you've gone off on a tangent you know, take that bit out and put it into another, to to next month's book or whatever the you know. Yeah. <laughs> I almost feel um, like they sit there with a big pin board behind it, and they have all these story conferences. And back then, you would have an editor who would have five yeah. or six books. You know, that's all they would have. Mm. I'm not mm. saying all they would have. I'm sure they had a full work workload because they obviously controlled you know what goes out for publicity, payments. You know, all sorts of things went through them. But yeah. they weren't sitting behind the devil's window every day. They were on the phone. They were having, you know, script meetings. One of the things that really struck me with a lot of manga stuff is the close contact between the creators and the editors. And they, they, admittedly, a lot in manga are part of the creative process. And I think we, we did that a bit more. We did that a bit better. I mean, look at Pat Mills. Look at the first issue of 2000 AD. You know. I was about to say, 2000 AD, you can tell people measure the periods yeah or the, do. The, the eras yeah. of 2008 based on who is tharg yep right? yeah you do completely yeah you know, so yeah. that that tells you the you know that that's where the the editorship particularly of an anthology any anthology book and that, that's why certain anthology books do well because their editors are so well you know brought this yeah. all the way back around to winning the winning the award <laughs> like Sarah, um, top editor yeah <laughs> but but no my, my point is that you know the, the that's where you go the uh, an editor who's good you, you kind of don't know they're there, but it's while you're reading the book, you don't know it's there, but you're right. In the retrospective reflection to it, you turn around and say that, so that era of 2000 was really good because yep. person X was, was the editor of 2000 at that point in time. 
another period might not be you know, might be less favorable to you and uh, similarly let's say with the bat titles you can turn and say that was a denny o'neill era yeah he didn't necessarily hold the pain of what alan grant or whoever else was in that point with yeah. actually doing the writing but you could tell that he was given direction steer letting the you know give when to give them rope and when to pull them in that's what it, that's what an editor should be about as well as you know checking things out to turn around and say actually you're fundamentally wrong with what you know you can't have that character yeah. go off and do that thing yeah stop being ridiculous you know calm yourself down yeah. this is yeah i think i think as well i think there's a slight difference between dc and marvel and marvel i think be, because of the legacy of stan lee also had an editor-in-chief mm. era there yeah so we see the roy thomas we see the jim shooter we see the stan lee you know to a certain extent there's things going on at the moment which is a bit more of a mess but we do remember that era in the um the 80s has been shooter's era you know where yeah. he was editor-in-chief and famously ruled with a rod of iron you know but also if you really dig into it, it had some fucking amazingly good comics come out under his reign you know um yeah, he, he actually owns it have, have you ever seen him at a convention jim shooter he owns it a bit so um mm. i was i saw gareth hopkins chatting to him and i got to meet him and, and gareth said did you look in the folder and i hadn't looked in this folder at all and gareth was saying in his folder he got he's got like loads of emails where he's like bit you know chewing people out and stuff not emails but you know <laughs> letters to people saying like, what the fuck yeah. you, you know he didn't hold back which i think is unfortunately why he's not he didn't continue, you know, they had that period of Valiant. But yeah, I think the same as Marvel, the same as that editor thing is, is we have periods in comics and we have periods on the Bat books and we have periods on the Superman comics. And Carlin is definitely one of the people who epitomizes, and in my head, iconic, you know, there's that iconic yeah. era of a book and it's Carlin's period. You know, that's how I feel about yeah. it. Yeah. That's yeah. The editor sets the tone that, you know, for, for a, a, either a universe, a sub universe or, you know, of the, so the, and that, that that's the, the the key bit to it, as well as just saying you know an editor is not there just to proofread. Maybe that's yeah. what but, you know. Yeah. And you can tell that there are certain creators who have done you know right who've done a lot better under certain editorships than they have others. Um, I, my my personal opinion about Alan Moore is that the reason that Watchmen is is, is so good is because he was a still under the cosh of a, a, a tight editor at that point in time. Yeah, same as Swamp Thing and, then, and Len Wein, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then as Alan Moore became the bigger and bigger name, and people didn't want to touch him, and then I was saying, you know, or, or he got to the point where he was like, Al, you go do your whatever you want to do. You now end up with books like, um, what was it? Was it Jerusalem, his last one? But, you know, where, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, a million like, words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there's probably a really good book in there that if somebody was strong enough to stand up to him and say, yeah. no, you know, you're at, Actually, get it, you know, that, that, and that's again that that whole thing about setting the tone and setting the, you know, no, no one went to rein them in. Yeah, and it's it's going on more and more these days. You know the um, uh, the self indulgent nonsense that we see in a lot of comics, from the small press to the you know the big ones, the big comic companies. Mm. There's so much self indulgent. Self, I'm one to talk about self insertion. I know, but I try to do it in a sort of satirical way. But the the self the self indulgent self insertion fucking pushing whatever they fucking fancy talking about over the toast in the morning nonsense is you know there's there isn't a, a, a big enough eye to character and story anymore and i think these guys they knew it so they would someone would come in and go oh by the way quicksilver's um he's going to carry a crossbow and they go fuck off is he he's not having that do you know what i mean or the equivalent yeah. Yeah. you know they, they haven't got anyone that's got the bottle to say it anymore and it's why you get mess ups like you got in that captain america issue that said that stan lee created captain america because <laughs> yeah, you got me some editors just like probably overworked probably underpaid and and probably hasn't hasn't read more than three captain america comics in their life yeah um but yeah, yeah these these were real landmark figures um good now these these um comics that's that come from the animated series are they still available man are they certainly on comicsology and on the dc app but i'm not sure so, do you know yeah, a good chunk of them are available on comicsology and dc app there yeah. are a handful of trades i think that are available okay and the are certainly used as reprint material in certain kids' collections and stuff. That's good. Um, yeah. What what I'll say is there's a lot of other animated comics, of Batman animated comics out there that were bespoke to other things. Okay. And that includes things like the um, the UK annuals, where there was one right. or two, you know six page stories and stuff that were done for them that that don't feature anywhere else. So there's there's oh, lots interesting. of yeah, bits, you know, bits and pieces out there for that. Um, but th there certainly was a couple of trades that came out not so long ago 
um, that let me just quick refer to the unnameable website that sells <laughs> lots of books. Um, yeah. There's got to be there's got to be an oversized hardback coming of these at some point. I'm guessing is there? It's got to be a omnibus type yeah. collection. So there's yeah there's um, a couple of trades that are available of Batman Adventures books of different ones on um, that are on Amazon at the moment about ten pound each. And there's a, a series that's just completed um, okay. as well, which was um, oh yes, been worked on by, by Ty Templeton, which was the Batman Adventures Continues, um, which was yeah. basically him, Ty Templeton, who did an awful lot of work on this. Yeah. Um, he, he was basically, he's finishing off a couple of storylines that were hanging around in, in the back for that. And, and it brings back a, a number of the characters, particularly the Phantasm. Um, okay, cool. In, in, in that sense. So there's, there yes, there's loads of books out there if people want to get into this. And frankly, they're dirt cheap. And I will say as well, I think they're ideal books for eight and up okay cool and for those with no you know who don't need don't need to worry about the weight of how many back characters there are and stuff like that you know and it's it's all you know it's all really you just you you pick it up penetrate yeah it's um you know one or two as i say because the stories are quite short within it as well yeah if, if it was just a kid reading it they would would have no issues at all yeah i mean i love batman almost as much as you do right and even I thought you were about to say almost as much as me. Oh, I do. I don't know. It would never be that much. <laughs> but the um, I I and I love reading Batman comics. I, there there isn't a week gone by probably of my life where I haven't read a Batman comic. However, there are too many Batman comics now. So get your ass into oh. this sort of stuff. You know. Yeah. It's and you can read this on its own. Yeah. You don't, exactly. And you don't need to worry about. There's no fear state or anything yeah. <laughs> involved in it. Yeah. Oh, you mean? No. Yeah. Not you're not going to be reading it and then suddenly you're going to. What the fuck is this? You know, suddenly you? there's a self-insertion yeah, or, of, you know, the girls of Gotham City or something. I don't know, whatever the new thing or is. The, or here's a, here's a character that Bruce knew in his another character that he met, but in his journey around the world. When he was traveling a, the desert, he he bumped into this one. Really? Yeah, yeah, another one that we've not heard of before. But, yeah, um, there's that, that that you you're obviously referring to the just the the rehashing of Azrael in that re in the recent uh, the, comic. Well, yeah. yeah, and this this other character that they've introduced, whose name even you know, I'm not even taking any of it in at the moment. That's so <laughs> I read it as well. Yeah, I've read Batman and Detective as long as I can remember reading, and yeah. uh, these days I don't know. I just it's like some sort of multicolored thing flashing past my eyes, and I'm like, okay. You know, with the occasional high point, but yeah, I know what you mean, man. Yeah. A couple of the backstories are actually all right at the moment, but again, most of them could have been done as as miniseries or one shots. But yeah, but you know, the, yeah, good. It's a um, sad state of affairs. <laughs> are you reading the action? Are you reading action comics at the moment? By the way, no. Oh, no, I like that I'm at the moment. Yeah, I'm liking that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good. Anyway, they did uh, the Death of Superman two point zero. They didn't stick for more than a month, <laughs> but yeah, there you go. Um, good stuff, man. Good choice little zip through of that so find them if you can um find the work of archie goodwin any buy any just buy a random epic comic at the next comic mart which is in two days time um and you'll be able to discover anything anything from the triangle era of mike carlin and try and find something by um denny o'neill um maybe something with neil adams you might enjoy that as well Mm, um but good stuff good so what are you up to at the moment dude so probably you Decided you're not going to do a Kickstarter, but are doing one next week. Is that how, is that how the year's rolling out? <laughs> I'm only 40 pages into the next book of, right. uh, of Penguins. Um, as we say, so we're trundling towards, we're about a month and a half away from, from nine years of doing cool. Penguin. Yeah. Um, so we do that whole, are you, you know, we've only got six boats, or so we've only got eight boats. Are you in trouble number six? Um <laughs> is, the, is the one of the old jokes is there. So no, that, that things of that, the... And then looking forward to all being well, starting back on the convention scene once. Yeah. Uh, I think it's early March for the first one in, in Glasgow. Oh, um, is it? Is that when it is? Oh, okay. For, that's for the, the one that they're calling the Acme Conventions, which is the one of the replacements for MCM. I think I might be in this Spain that day, you know. I'll have to have a check. I yeah. do fancy coming up for the Mo. Yeah. Um, well, the, the actual Glasgow Comic Con is now reset its dates for... I want to say the 4th of June. Okay. That sort of period. So they've just, um, and this is the, you know, many times delayed. And they're actually moving to a slightly different location inside um, inside Glasgow. Yeah, it's the okay. 4th of June. 
Do you know whereabouts? Um, or um, I want to say Bella Houston Park. Um, right. And there's a there's a building there. Okay. It's, right. You know, it's it's, it's Glasgow's a, a different countries for yeah, it's, yeah, some of us yeah. in Edinburgh concerned. I get you. Um, My mother's from uh, Glasgow. Did I ever tell you that? Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, yeah. No, you told me about your various connections to, to Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Or, she's from Glasgow, but we didn't really go much there as kids. Yeah. Well, uh, well, well, you know, it's it, come the, the revolution, we'll get you a passport. Um, <laughs> yeah, <good point. laughs> um, so yeah, so that that's um, that's probably the one that you might be more interested in coming up to because it's, okay. it's probably more actual comic comics, yeah. Um, but yeah, well, and Edinburgh Comic Cons at, at Easter and all this stuff, so there's there, there's loads going in the diary there. And if Thought Bubble ever want to tell us what their dates are, we can maybe try and they still haven't. I see that, that um. Uh, Tula Lote's resigned as um, running it now, isn't she? She's just sort of I helping think, out. I think she would say retired rather than resigned, but yes. Yeah, right. sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, just in case and it's it, the dude who runs Travelling Man's taken over, I think, isn't it? Is that right? Right. Yeah. Oh, so I mean, they've been a, there's a team of them that have been doing it for a long time. So that's good. Yeah. But no, it, it's, um, it's one of these fun ones for me where they keep telling us, oh, announcements coming soon. And I'm like going, I don't, I don't really care about whose guests or anything like that. Just, just tell me the yeah, dates. Yeah, we need the so dates, don't we? Yeah, book exactly. the hotel. And, you know, it's like we all just want to be. I can take a good guess at which weekend it is, but it might be the other weekend. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then we got, I suppose, yeah. we got to look at what Lakes, the Lakes is doing, all that sort of thing, and also look at see what Nottingham because I'm hoping they're going to be back. Um, yeah. They were exactly. talking about so, it. They were talking to me about it on a well to us on a drink and draw, weren't they? They were saying mm, hoping mm-hmm, to come back mm-hmm. next year. So fingers crossed for them. Um, so that yeah, so that that's for me is, and and I'll um, I'll keep plodding along with with penguin work and doing other bits and pieces uh, of the odd paintings and stuff. Uh, Good man. Recently completed the the Fantastic Four. So. Oh um, yes, that's right. Oh, I, li- I did like that man. I like the uh, Mister Fantastic especially. Yeah, good stuff. Is that just for you, or is that for is that a present or something? Because I know you do do presents. No, no, it's, people, it's currently sitting in the shop. If anyone wants, oh, there you it. go. So go and get it. Go to, go to yeah. the, the Penguin Estee shop. You can find all this set of four <laughs> characters there. As a, um, it's up for sale. If anyone uh, is it's so so, anyway, if you don't like the price, DM me and we'll, we'll, we can talk about we'll other negotiate. options. He knows. He knows about money. This man. He knows all about it. He'd be fun. The um, so before we move on to just um, a little announcement for next month. What um, where can people find you and where can they buy your comics? What's the, the email address or the website address? So if you basically go searching for at Penguin on any form of social media, um, you'll find me. Um, and similarly, if you go to look search for Penguin on Etsy, it's where yep. I host my shop. Okay, I'll put I'll be putting the the links for the shop and the, the social media in the uh, in the notes for this one, so you'll be able to click on that quite Thank easily you. in um, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and then we're on something else, and I can't remember what it is. That like, some nice lady told me the other day that she'd added us, so I don't really know what that is, but I'll find out. Um, <laughs> good. So you can find me uh, patreon.com forward slash tribute press. We've just finished fur the our furry comic. Yes, you heard that right, um, and that's going to print. Um, we just got the test prints back today. Very excited. Um, so that should be available in a couple of weeks now. So I'll, I'll let everyone know. And we really are enjoying moving... the back matter for the last couple it's, of it's days. It's lovely, man. Isn't it? What a nice bit yeah. of character work that is, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Mm. So that's the stuff I was getting all the time when he kept saying, have you written the script yet? And I said, well, I'm still working on it. He'd tell me all that just to get me going. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> next week, we have a certain soap opera character who is making, who is appearing, who I may have mentioned previously as a story of mine from 2005. So we've got a bit of a filler week, but it's going to contain a story from my past, slightly controversial. Um, I think you might be able to guess, but I'll tell you in a minute. And then we're back to Flesh and Ink. So we've got Flesh and Ink with a new character involved in the story there. So And sex on a coffin, which should be fun. <laughs> um, but on here, coming next, we have a bit of a theme um, suggested by me because I decided that um, we weren't reading enough of this material. And Al will be back we're going to talk about it now and he's going to come back at the end of next month to talk about a book so we're going to do old blokes read manga is the theme I'm not calling al old i'm old he's not but the intention being that four let's call us oldish blokes um are going to read manga as get out of the habit of just reading american possibly european and british comics and reading some manga because manga is the hot shit at the moment and is you know out selling every other comic in the world and every other piece of printed media to be fair <laughs> sort of <laughs> 10 to 1 at the moment so we've all chosen a book um uh, honestly they're not kind of the sort of uh, you know big eyed running around shouting omg kind of stuff it's more action serious stuff 
Um, Al's got a book at the end of the month, which I think you're going to enjoy. Um, and we've got at least three other books that we're going to talk series. We're going to talk through with um, regular contributors to this podcast. So I'm quite excited about it. Um, and it's almost like we planned this in some way, but we didn't. But Archie Goodwin yeah. was the editor oh, of course. who drove the fact to get Akira published in English for the first time. Wow. There you go. Good stuff. Cool. <laughs> and I think we can spoil it because yours is related to that. Did you want to say what book you've got at the end? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, when when we get around to, to me, it'll be Domu, who is um, is also by the, the creator of Akira. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, so if you from... are a millionaire, you can go on eBay and buy a copy of that. <laughs> <laughs> because we yeah. looked the other day and it was £500. <laughs> well, for for the first edition, the first edition. I, I don't have the first edition, but uh, and, and there are later editions as well. But even my edition is, is yeah. Like, you got the second print, even quid. that's eighty quid. Yeah, 80 bloody quid hell. Was, yeah, yeah. That's the thing with it, man. It goes out of date so quickly. Um, it goes out of print so quickly, and you just can't get it. That bat bat kid that I bought the other day, um, mm. the really really old manga. Um, I had to actually ring Greg from gosh and say can you get can you get it stick one away from me because it's going to disappear and he luckily got like one of the last ones left mm. um yeah they they get huge you, piles reading, of chainsaw man and stuff like that in sorry mate you're gonna say yeah it was because you were reading some of the astro boy the other day there so yeah and because uh, i've got the dark horse run of that and i was oh, like because nice. oh, i don't know whatever version you as well I thought, oh, what? and they're going for like 20 quid each wow okay <laughs> and I, i'm like what's this about i have a slight admission <laughs> to make around that He's, yes, mm. I did. I bought the big book um, by Helen McCarthy, who we were hopefully getting on the ACP in March because we're also doing a manga mar- march in, on the ACP with guests. Um, and I bought that book of it, which is gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. I think you can find you used to be able to find it in the works. Someone's James yeah. Corcoran was telling me, but the um, and you'll notice that on t- the picture I put on the Slack, there was a picture of an Astro Boy comic. Um, right. I accidentally bought the French one. <laughs> so that's a French one, yeah. Sadly, um, but I have also got a copy of Blackjack um, by Tezuka as well, which I've I've just started reading, which is fucking really good. Bear in mind, this is really old stuff. Yeah, there's some heartbreaking books. There's some. We've got a little bit of the the martial arts assassins. We've got a little bit of the history books of post-war Japan, which is I'm absolutely fascinated with the world in Japan. You know, and the recovery that they then made. No, when you look at it historically very quickly and and the way that the medium grew at that time I won't spoil it but the it certainly grew up around the time of the american occupation of japan which is really interesting yeah um and then we're gonna we're gonna hit the end of the month with the futuristic nuttiness is domu just the absolute yeah. masterclass of a fucking artistic book that that is um yeah incredible good stuff okay man thanks for that we're gonna have a quick chat about what we're gonna be doing in eight, fucking april look at that Bloody hell, this has been going almost two years, this podcast. Yep. Well, there you go. Good stuff, man. Thanks, Al. Good choice, mate. All right, speak soon. Yeah, cheers, man. Mm-hmm.